Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We believe in the power of God's Word, and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's Word together. We are in week six of a series that we are calling Thread of Love. And in this series, we've been talking about the fact that uh, the Bible tells this one true story about God's love for his people. And uh, the reason why we're going through this series, the reason why we're doing this is uh, because after Easter, we're going to be going through the book of Revelation. And I know a lot of us, we're excited about it. There's a lot of anticipation with it. Uh, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get into it. In fact, I saw that um, we're about seven weeks away from that series, um, which means I think Easter's like six weeks away. So uh, we're, we're going to get there in no time at all. But uh, the whole reason why I wanted to go through This, though, is because we could be so excited to know how the story ends that we miss the entire story of the Bible. And it's good. It's important that we know how the story ends. That's important for us. Uh, But I think for us to fully know and appreciate how the story ends, we need to know who the Bible is about, what the story of the Bible is. And so what we've been doing is from 30,000 feet, just going through and showing you this true story of the Bible. And so far in this series, we've been talking about creation. We've been talking about sin. We've been talking about the fact that God makes promises. We see that God gave us pictures. And what we're going to see today is we're going to be talking about the law of God. So if you have a Bible, turn to Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to be. We're going to look at verses 1 through 18 today. And if you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you, grab that version Bible app, and uh, there you can take notes. Uh, all you need to do to access all of that stuff is go to that More tab, then go to Events, and uh, you'll see Awaken Church Live. Click on that, and you'll be able to follow along there. Take notes, send them, save them, um, and uh, if you are taking physical notes, uh, you can. Uh, the title of today's message is "Why Did God Give Us Rules?" Why did God give us rules? This week, I read something kind of interesting. It was and, and kind of funny because it was talking about if Jesus were to do ministry today, he would be wanted by a lot of man organizations, man-centered organizations, because Jesus would have broken a lot of laws. In fact, this week I read that if Jesus were to do ministry today, he would be wanted by the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, for turning water into wine without a license. <laughs> the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, for killing fig trees— The AMA, the American Medical Association, for practicing medicine without a license. The Department of Health for asking people to open up graves, raise people from the dead, and also feed people, feed 5,000 people in the wilderness. He'd be wanted by the NEA, the National Education Association, for teaching without a certificate. OSHA for walking on water without a life jacket and flying without an airplane. He'd be wanted by the SPCA, which is the Society for the Prevention of Cruelty of Animals, for driving hogs off of a cliff and into a sea. The National Board of Psychiatrists for giving people advice on how to live a guilt-free life. And the Interfaith Movement for condemning other religions. Now, I kind of laughed at some of those, and I thought that, that was pretty funny to think about Jesus doing ministry and all these organizations and all these laws that he would have broken But here's the reality. Man has laws and not everybody likes those laws, right? Like if you've been pulled over by a police officer over the last, any time, like several weeks, months, if you've gotten a ticket, you don't like some of man's laws. 
Here's what I've come to realize. God also has laws, and not everybody likes those laws as well. And if you're like me, you might be thinking, okay, but why did God give us these rules? Why did God give us commandments? Because I think for many of us, when we hear the word commandment, it's usually followed by a negative connotation. Because we like to call the shots. We like to be the ones who make up all of the rules. We don't like it when someone else tells us what to do. We want independence. We want autonomy. And for many of us, we view the Ten Commandments as negative or outdated, as old or unnecessary. I've even heard people say, well, that's Old Testament. I'm New Testament. I don't need to look at those. I don't need to learn those. I don't need to know what those are. And because of that, there's a lot of misunderstanding when it comes to God's law, the Ten Commandments. For a lot of us, we can misunderstand why God gave us the law in the first place. See, over the course of the series, we've been talking about the fact that we have an enemy And here's a lie that the enemy has told all of us. It's spread a lie about the law of God. And it's not just a lie that unbelievers believe. A lot of believers also believe the same thing. And here's the lie. Following God's rules equals enjoying God's favor. Following God's rules equals enjoying God's favor. We all believe this lie that God gave us these rules. God gave us this law. So if we just try our very best, if we keep all the laws, if we keep all the rules, then somehow we will make God happy with us. We could say it this way. Obedience equals acceptance. See, some of us, we're in this building today. We're at church today because we believe that somehow by being here, God is happier with you. I think for some of us, we just view God and God's, we think of him just up in heaven and he's just kind of like, oh man, I can't believe it again, you know? He just kind of got shaking his head, you know, his hand in his face because he's just disappointed or discouraged. Why? Because we're just terrible at keeping all the rules. But listen, that's not the heart of God. That's not why God gave us the Ten Commandments. God did not give us these rules so that we could earn God's acceptance. God did not give us these rules so that we could earn favor with God. God did not give us these rules so that we could somehow make God happy with us. God gave us these rules to lead us to Jesus so that in him we can have a relationship with God. See, the law points to the real solution, the real answer, and his name is Jesus. And here's what we're going to find out today, is that the purpose of the law was to show us our sins. It was never meant to save us. See, I believe God gave us this law because he wanted to create a clear frustration in everybody's mind that, hey, you cannot do it. You can't do it yourself. So everything in the law is shouting, look to Jesus. Uh, This week I was doing some research and I found out that not a lot of people know the Ten Commandments. That they're not very familiar with them. They don't even know exactly why they're there. We know a lot of other things, but we don't necessarily know the Ten Commandments. And so what we're going to do today is I'm going to read out of Exodus 20. We're going to read the Ten Commandments. And what's funny is I thought this week, like maybe sometime in the future, we'll do like a series, a 10-week series on the Ten Commandments. But I want us to understand what is God's top 10 list for our lives. And then really the big picture is why did God give us the law in the first place? So that's kind of what we're doing today. If you would pick up Exodus 20, starting in verse one, it says this, and God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Number two, you shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath 
or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, commandment number 3, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Number 4, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter or your male servant, your female servant, your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and all that is within them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Pause right there. What we just read, those first four commandments, those all have to deal with our vertical relationship, our relationship with God. As we now continue looking at these commandments, the next six have a horizontal, deal with our horizontal relationships, our relationships with each other. So pick up again, verse 12, commandment number five, honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And if you're child is sitting here today, you can just kind of give him a little holy nudge, right? Like pay attention, right? Verse 13, number six, you shall not commit murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. Number eight, you shall not steal. Number nine, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Number 10, verse 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey. And in case you're like, wow, I don't covet any of this. Look at what it says. Or anything that covers everything else that is in your neighbor's. Now, when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpets and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled and they stood far off. What we just read right there is, again, what's commonly called the Ten Commandments. It's not called the Ten Suggestions, the Ten Good Ideas, the Ten Reasons Why You Could Live a Good Life, Ten Proposals. No, these are the Ten Commandments. Now, if, you, if you've been around church for any length of time, sometimes you'll hear them referred to, the Ten Commandments referred to as the Torah. Now, let me just say this. This isn't all of God's law. This is just kind of the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the law of God. There's more in Exodus and Leviticus. In fact, this week I read that there were 613 commandments from God. 613. In fact, I read that rabbis, they would even split them up. They would say that there's 248 commandments for, and that represented every part of the human body. Those are positive commandments so that uh, we are walking out God's law. And then there's 365 negative commandments, which means one for every day of the year so that you are living out every day, walking out every day, God's law. Now, here's the crazy thing. These jokers memorized all of this stuff. Like, I can't even imagine what that's like. Like, I read 60% of people can't even name five of the Ten Commandments. Like, could you imagine having to have to memorize 613 of them? That's crazy to me. But that's what they did. They, they memorized all of that stuff. Now, here's the thing. We're not going to be looking at all of God's law. We're just going to be looking at God's top 10 list for things on, on how to live life, because I believe that these are sufficient for understanding and determining God's will for us. 
And so in the time that we have left, I just want to answer that question. Why did God give us these rules? Why did God give us commandments? And the first one is this. God's law was not given to earn a relationship with him. God's law was not given so that we could earn a relationship with him. God did not give us these laws, say all of these things, so that you and I could keep all the rules and get onto God's good side. How do we know this? Well, if you just look back one chapter, in chapter 19, in verse 18, it says this. Mount Sinai, which is where Moses got the Ten Commandments, Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke billowed up from it like smoke from a furnace. And the whole mountain trembled violently. As the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and the voice of God answered him. The Lord descended on top of Mount Sinai and called Moses to the top of the mountain. So Moses went up. Here's what's happening here. God does this. He descends on this mountain and there's lightning and there's trumpets and there's fire and there's smoke and all this stuff. And then God speaks. And in chapter 20, verse two, God says, I am the Lord. And everybody looking at this scene went, yes, you are, right? And there's no arguing that fact. They're like, yes, you are the Lord. I mean, think about it. Like if we were to leave church here today, we were to go out in the parking lot And all of a sudden we see smoke and fire and the ground is trembling and and all these things. And then we hear the voice of God say, I am the Lord. We would all go, yes, you are, right? We wouldn't argue that. And so here's all these people. They're witnessing this entire scene. And God says, I am the Lord. But then look what he says next. Your God. Don't miss this. He hadn't even given them the rules yet. It'd be one thing with the lightning and the smoke and the fire and and the trumpets and the earthquaking. If God said, I am your God, and if you keep all of the rules, then I will be your God. But before he even gave them the rules, he said, I am the Lord, your God. The Hebrew construction here describes this personal relationship that he had with his people. See, God in his grace invited them into a relationship with himself before they even knew the rules. The foundation of their relationship with God was not, hey, let me keep all of the rules. The foundation of their relationship with God was faith. We see examples of this in the Old Testament. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. God introduced himself to Abraham. God made a promise that through Abraham, he was going to give him a son. And through Abraham's family line, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, will come. Look at what it says, Genesis 15, 6. It says, and he, speaking of Abraham, and he believed. Does it say, and Abraham kept all the rules? No, it's by faith. And he believed the Lord, and he counted to him as righteousness. Abraham, by faith, believed the promise of God, and God accepted Abraham on the basis of his faith. Now we're, uh, now the people of Israel that we're reading about, they had done the same thing. That's why in Exodus 20, it says, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. What's this talking about? It's talking about what just happened. Again, Exodus chapter uh, 12. We talked a little bit about it last weekend. God tells Moses, hey, you need to take the children of Israel. They've been in the land of Egypt. They're slaves in this land. I need you to be the voice, the mouthpiece, to lead them out of the land of slavery and bring them out into freedom. And Moses goes, and he tells Moses, hey, you need to go to the Pharaoh and tell him that. And so Moses goes to the Pharaoh and says, hey, let the people go. And Pharaoh's like, nope, I don't think that's going to happen. And so we know the story. God sends 10 plagues. 
and the last plague, killing the firstborn of every family in the land of Egypt. But to God's chosen people, what does he tell them? He says, paint your doorpost with the blood of a sinless, spotless lamb, and death will pass over your house. Again, this story, if you take it out of context, the story is a little weird. It's a little crazy. We're like, what's happening there? But this is a a picture of another spotless, blameless lamb. His name is Jesus. And Jesus' blood will cover our sins. And God in his judgment will pass over us. And so the Israelites did that. They believed this promise. And because of their faith in God, they're standing before him on this day. See, they believed that God would send someone to to shed his blood for their sins. People had a relationship with God on the basis of their faith. Now, here's a mistake that a lot of people can make when uh, understanding the Bible. They think there's two ways of salvation. There's an Old Testament way, and there's a New Testament way. The Old Testament way, people are saved by keeping the law. In the New Testament, we're not under the law anymore, so we're saved by grace through faith. But listen, there's not two ways of salvation in the Bible. There's only one way of salvation in the Bible. It's always been grace through faith. It's always been that way that we are made righteous before God. See, in the Old Testament, believers came to know him by putting their faith in the promise that was to come. In the New Testament, we put our faith in the fulfilled promise that has already happened in the person of Jesus. Salvation has always been grace through faith. We've never been able to earn a right standing before God. It's always by his grace through faith. Paul even says it this way in Romans 3.20. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Here's what this means. No one will ever be made by obedience or through performance of law-keeping. God's law was never given to earn a relationship with him. God never gave us the law, gave us these rules, gave us these 10 commandments and said, if you keep all of these commandments, if you do it all right, check it all off, then and only then will I be your God. The law can never make us perfect. The law can never make us right with God. So again, we go back to the question, why do we have these rules? Well, here's the second reason why. God's law was to lead us to a relationship with him. God's law was to lead us to a relationship with him. Paul in Galatians 3, verse 24, it says, So then the law was our guardian. That word guardian comes from the Greek pedagogos, which means teacher, schoolmaster, uh, professor, instructor. Your translation might even say tutor. So the law was a teacher until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. So Paul is telling us that the law is a teacher that leads us to Jesus. Why? So that we can be justified by faith. Notice it doesn't say that we are justified by our obedience, that we're justified by self-effort. We're made right with God through faith. There's two things the law teaches us. One, it teaches us what we could not do on our own. James in the New Testament describes the law of God as a mirror. Now, when you look in the mirror, what do you see? Reality, right? Sometimes it's a reality you like. Sometimes it's a reality you don't like. But there's no hiding when we look in a mirror. 
I don't know if you've ever been to lunch with somebody before and you're just having a great lunch, you know, talking and you're connecting and, and there's some good laughter, good conversation and everything's going great. And so you excuse yourself and you go to the bathroom and you're washing your hands and you look in the mirror and what do you see? You see some food ready to shake its hand at you, right? Like you're like, whoo, you know, like, ah, I wonder how long that's been there. And then you realize, well, the only reason why we're having a good conversation and it seems really locked in is because he's so locked in to the food that's in my mouth right now, right? That's why we're laughing. That's why we're having a good time. What did the mirror do? It gave you reality. It shows you that you got stuff in your teeth. See, the point of the mirror is just to reveal It's to show us our true condition. The law of God is just like that. God goes, do you know how sinful you are? And we're like, no. And God's like, well, let me show you how sinful you are. Let me give you those 10 commandments. The law shows us where we've blown it. The law shows us where we've messed up. The law will show us time and time again the reality, and it's a reality that we don't like. It's that we're not perfect, and we never will be. The mirror of God reveals his holiness and his righteousness. And when we look in the mirror of God and we see you should not lie, we can look back on our lives and we can go, well, I've lied a few times. And not only have we lied, but we are liars. That's our lifestyle. That's what we do. It says we shouldn't steal. We look in the mirror of God's law and we realize, man, I've stolen stuff before, so that makes me a thief. We look in the mirror of God's law and we see that we shouldn't covet what somebody else has. And we go, man, just on the way to church, I was coveting a lot of things in my heart, right? We look in the mirror of God and we go, man, I'm somebody who just desires other things. We look in the mirror of God's law and we see that we shouldn't have any other gods before him. And we look at our lives and we go, man, my job, my career, my school, my uh, relationship status, my uh, hobbies, all of those things have all been on the throne of my heart. All of those things are things that I've worshiped and put before God. And we realize, man, I've served other gods before him, worshiping other gods before him. Now, without the law of God, I wouldn't know righteousness and holiness that that God is, his righteous and holy standard. But once I look in the law of God, I begin to see things in me that don't measure up to his standard. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When I look at the law of God, I realize in my past, I've broken God's law. But also in my present and in my future, I will continually fall short of his righteous standard. See, the law shows me that I'm hopeless and helpless because I have failed. And if we're honest today, when we look in the mirror of God's law, guess what we see in ourselves? We are all lawbreakers. We've all sinned against God. We all fall short of his glory. But listen, if that's all that the law taught us, we'd still be hopeless. So the law not only shows us what we can't do, but here's the second thing the law teaches us, what God has already done. The law teaches us what God has already done. It leads us to Jesus, right? Galatians 3.24. So the law teaches us and leads us to Jesus so that by faith we can experience salvation. But how does that happen? Romans 8.3 says, For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. 
And so he condemned sin in the flesh. Here's what God did. I could not earn my way in. I could not make myself right with God, but God did what I could not do. God sent his only son, Jesus, into this world. Jesus put on human flesh and he did what we could not do. He perfectly fulfilled the law of God. You know what that means? Jesus never sinned. He never once broke God's law. And Jesus offered his body on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. And on the cross, Jesus died. He died for every lie that we would ever tell, all the things that we steal, all of our deceitfulness, wrong attitudes, our wrong thoughts. Every time that we shook our fists in the face of God and said, I know better than you, God. And we step across the boundary that God has set. Jesus died for those sins. But here's the good news. He did not stay dead. God raised him from the dead as a testimony that God was satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we are born again into a new relationship with him. What I could not do by keeping the law, God did through the person of Jesus. And now I have a relationship with God. And this is beautiful because we don't have to continue to try to do all the right things. Listen, if you're here today and you're trying to approach this in your own human effort, trying to be good enough, that's not the way that you get right with God. The way that you get right with God is through faith in God. The law points to the real solution, the real answer, and his name is Jesus. Religion can't save you. Coming to church can't save you. Morality can't save you. Doing enough good things can't save you. God never gave us the law so that if we do all the right things, keep all the rules, we would be saved. God gave us the law to teach us, hey, you cannot do this on your own. And it leads us to Jesus, the one who did everything for us. You and I, by grace through faith, can be born again into a relationship with God. But here's the thing. A lot of Christians, we can make this mistake. Here's the mistake we can make. We could go, yeah, I understand. It's grace through faith that I can't ever earn a right standing before God, that I can never do enough things. I get that. But then once we become saved, we think, well, now it's up to me to obey the law. I don't know about you, but I don't have any more ability in my own strength to keep the law on this side of salvation than I did on that side of salvation. I'm still gonna fall on my face on this side of the cross than on that side of the cross. So what the law does is it pushes me back to Jesus, understanding that it's only Christ in me that pleases Jesus. So as believers, we go, okay, well then why do we have this law? What's my relationship to this law? Well, that's our third and final point. God's law teaches us how to enjoy our relationship with him. Teaches us how to enjoy a relationship with him. Let me ask you this. How do you know that you love God? Is it because you got all kinds of warm fuzzies on the inside and you're like, ooh, I like it, you know? That's not it. Jesus even said, if you love me, you will do what? Keep my commandments. So God gave us these commandments as left and right boundaries because he knows best how life is to be lived. So it's not like, well, once I'm saved in my own strength, I got to keep all the law. No, we keep the law. We follow the law because we love God. He knows how life is to be lived. Now, when we fall and we can't keep the law, guess what we do? We go to Jesus because, again, it's only Christ in me that pleases the Father. I'll illustrate it this way for you all. 
We, back in 2016, we moved all the way out into Cunningham, and so we, we are all out in the country. We got country folk all out there, and, uh, and so it's cool. Like, it's, it's really awesome to be out there, but, um, you know, like where we were before, we were kind of in this cul-de-sac, and so the kids could ride their bikes, their scooters, their skateboards all out in the street and stuff. It was not a big deal, but when we moved out to the country, guess what they don't have? Sidewalks. Roads that go slow, like, you know, the road in front of our house is 45 miles an hour. And there are cars that like to see how fast they can get up to that 45 miles an hour, right? Like, when they're just like gunning it or trying to see how well their brakes work, I guess, you know, like that's just what happens on our street. And so when the boys were little, I told them, I was like, you cannot play out in the street. And they're like, why? We just want to ride our bikes. We just want to ride our scooters, our skateboards. I was like, you just can't do it. Like, it's dangerous to be out there. And so I remember I took a piece of chalk and I drew a line in the driveway. And I said, on this side of the line, have the best time of your life. Play basketball, do your tricks on your skateboard, just don't kill yourself. Get on the scooter, play basketball, do all things. On this side of the line, enjoy life and life to the fullest. On this side of the line, don't you dare cross that line. And you know what kids do. They try to see how close they can get, you know get to that line. I'd see the chalk on their tires. Oh, I didn't cross it. Yeah, you did. Now, <laughs> now, why did I tell them that? Because I wanted to rob them of all the joy and experience of playing out in the street and possibly becoming roadkill? No. I told them that because I love them. I gave them that boundary to allow them to live their best life without experiencing all the danger on the other side of that line. In the same way, God has done the same thing with us. He gave us boundaries as well. God gave us commands in the Bible to protect us as we live. See, every time God says, hey, don't do something, he's not saying, hey, I want to rob you of all the joy and the pleasure of doing that thing. God isn't just some old tyrant up in heaven saying, I don't want them to have any fun. It's not like God's up in heaven going, how can I watch them suffer? Like, that's just what I want to do. When God says don't do something, what he's saying is, hey, I don't want you to hurt yourself. We talked about it week one. God created life. He knows best how life is to be lived. And so when God says don't do something, he's trying to protect us and help us enjoy the life that he's given us. Now, when God says do something, he's saying help yourself. Enjoy all the freedom. Enjoy that. There's joy there. There aren't consequences there. Solomon, who is known as one of the wisest men to ever live, he says this in Proverbs 7. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure up my commandments with you. Keep my commandments and live. Now, I think when we hear Solomon talking about God's commandments here, I think for many of us, we hear him say, keep God's commandments and suffer. Keep God's commandments and experience hardships. Keep God's commandments and not have any fun in your life. It says, keep my commandments and live. That word live in the Hebrew is translated breathing. So this verse could be best translated, keep my commandments and enjoy life to the fullest. God did not give us commands in scripture to rob us. He gave us commands to bless us. So what we could experience is life as God intended life to be lived. So why do we have the rules? Why did God give us commandments? You can think about it like this. 
Just as there are signs on the road that point us to the right destination, make sure we're going the right direction, the Ten Commandments are a sign that points to Jesus. Paul even said it this way in Romans 7, 7. He said, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. Nevertheless, I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would not have known what coveting really was if the law had not said, you shall not covet. When we read a commandment, we see that we fall short. But we don't stop there. It drives us to Jesus. Just like later today, if you're going to go to Nashville, you're going to see a sign that says Nashville 40 miles. You don't get to that sign and go, I've arrived. Thought it'd be a little bigger than this, you know. I don't do that. You keep going in the right direction. The law is a sign that can't cleanse you, but it points you to the one who does. I'll close with this story. I read about a a boy in northern England this week. This boy, he was crying on the street corner because he was lost. He was just crying and he was wailing. And the police officer that uh, was on duty, he hears this boy crying and he gets to the boy and he goes, what's wrong? And he goes, I'm lost. Will you help me find my way home? And the police officer said, well, where do you live? And he goes, I don't remember. And so the officer starts naming off streets. He's like, well, what about this street? Or what about that street? Does any of these streets sound familiar? And the boy's like, no, it doesn't sound familiar. And so he starts listing off uh, kind of landmarks. Well, how about the bakery? What about the electronics store? What about the grocery store? Did any of those sound familiar? And he's like, no, none of those sound familiar. And so not knowing what else to do, the police officer goes and he scoops a little boy up in his arms, puts him up on the shoulders, and he goes, you see that giant hill over there with the church on the, with the cross on the top of the church? And the boy goes, yeah. And he's like, do you live anywhere around that church? And the boy wiped the tears from his eyes and a big smile came across his face and he said, yes, take me to the cross. I can find my home there. The commandments are to point us to the cross so that we can find our way home. Now, I got to try to obey all the commandments. I got to do all the right things. If I just keep all the laws and I do this in my own strength, if I'm 51% good, 49% bad, listen, 1% of sin disqualifies you from the perfect place of heaven. No amount of obedience, no righteous acts, not trying to keep all the 10 commandments perfectly Nothing you can ever do will help you earn your way into heaven. But we need to be cleansed, forgiven, changed. And that only comes through the cross of Jesus. Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.